Convicted and Convinced, a message from God's Word for you. And now, here's Dr. Dan Gerard. If you do a search of endangered species, as I did in preparation for the sermon, you will discover some very interesting and at the same time alarming facts about both animals and plants that are either endangered or threatened with extinction. In our United States of America, we're told that several hundred species of plants and animals are listed or are threatened. They are endangered. And some of these listed species have recovery plans that have been put into operation. They're under development to help rescue them and make sure that they don't become more endangered or threatened with extinction. We're told that worldwide there are literally thousands of animal species and and plant species that are endangered. And because of this endangerment, there are many protective conservation areas that are in existence worldwide. There are parks that have been developed. There are reserves that have been established. And it's estimated that these places for the preservation of endangered or threatened species, the area covers nearly two million square miles. Now, that is about 3% of the total land area that we have on planet Earth. I don't have the latest statistics, but as of July 2016, Florida had 87 endangered species and 37 threatened species. As sad as these facts are to think about and consider, it's even sadder to face the reality that as you and I observe the human family, that our family units are suffering. And one of the major reasons for the suffering of our family units has to do with fatherhood. According to a recent U.S. Census, about one in four children under the age of 18 are raised without a father. Out of the many single parent families with children under the age of 18, more than 80% of these are headed by single mothers. And so I'm sure that you will agree with me and conclude that fatherhood is indeed endangered and fatherhood is threatened with survival. Fatherhood, I have discovered, is one of the most difficult assignments in life and one for which most men are not prepared to enter into. I was not offered a course in high school 
I was not offered a course in college. I was not offered a course in seminary titled Fatherhood 101. <laughs> there were just not any courses out there. And it's not the purpose of my presentation today to address the causes for what we're witnessing in regard to the breakup of families. It's not my intention to deal with the absence of a father figure in many families, but rather it is my desire to address how we as Christian fathers can ensure our survival and make an ongoing investment in the lives of our children. And so today I want to share with you four suggestions that hopefully will help ensure the survival of fatherhood. But before sharing these four suggestions, I want to direct our attention first to Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 and 25. Jesus is speaking and listen to the voice of the Savior. Therefore, whosoever underscore heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will like him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. This is a passage with which many of us are well acquainted. But have you ever asked yourself, have you ever asked someone else, have you ever had someone ask you the question, what were these sayings Jesus alluded to? Beginning in chapter 5 of Matthew and going through chapter 7, Matthew records what we refer to as the Sermon on the Mount. And in the sermon, Jesus presented many sayings. And a part of these sayings related to the area of fatherhood. I want you to look at Matthew chapter 7, beginning at verse number 9. He asked a question, oh, what man is there of you whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask Him? Now, let's note some principles and some practices that will help ensure the survival of fatherhood. And I'm sharing these four suggestions not because I'm an expert, not because I behaved perfectly, not because I function flawlessly in regard to these suggestions, but rather I'm, I'm sharing them by way of personal observation and because of observing others down through the years. And they're not going to be shared in the order of importance but simply because something has to be first and something has to be last. First of all, one way to ensure the survival of fatherhood is to give children a high priority. This kind of high priority can be acknowledged, it can be accepted, 
And it can be applied only when children are regarded as gifts from God. May I repeat that? This kind of high priority can only be acknowledged, it can only be accepted, it can only be applied when children are regarded as gifts from God. I believe with all of my mind and all of my heart that it would benefit every father, Christian or non-Christian, to align to the philosophy of Jacob in this matter. In Genesis chapter 23 is recorded the account of two brothers who are meeting again after years of separation, Jacob and Esau. They had parted ways many years before, and their parting had not been pleasant. And now as they are about to be reunited, Jacob's mind and his heart is filled with all kinds of questions. Questions as to how Esau is going to receive him, how he's going to respond to his return. Now, I want to begin reading in Genesis 33 and verse 1. And Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, Esau came, and with him 400 men. And he divided the children unto Leah and to Rachel unto the two handmaids. And he put the handmaids and their children foremost, and Leah and her children after, and Rachel and Joseph hindermost. And he passed over before them and bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. And Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him, and, and they wept. And Esau lifted up his eyes and saw the women and, and the children and said, Who are those with thee? And Jacob said, Underscore, The children which God hath graciously given thy servant. So again, I would say it would do every man good to fall in line with what Jacob expressed, the children which God hath graciously given thy servant. This attitude was later echoed in Psalm 127 and verse number 3, lo, children are in heritage of the Lord. Brethren, because children are gifts of God, children are to be treated in a very special manner. The call to be a businessman, the call to be a professional man should never, never, never conflict with the call to be a father. And don't allow outside tensions to spill over into family life with children. Several years ago, I apologized to both of our daughters. And I asked them to forgive me because there was a time in my life when I was so heavenly minded, I was no earthly good 
in regard to our two daughters. I was so busy about God's business that I neglected them and left a large portion of raising our two daughters to my wife. And I asked my girls to forgive me of that because they are precious gifts from God to me. I was raised with four brothers. I did not know what it was like to live in the midst of girls. And so I believe that God gave me two daughters as His gracious gifts to help me learn how to be a better man, a more compassionate, understanding individual. Another way to ensure the survival of fatherhood is to enjoy the children. As fathers, we need to develop and maintain a joyous relationship of quality, quality time together. We need to play together. We need to have projects together. We need to pray together, play projects and pray. Fathers, we need to be a presence in their lives. Some of the most joyous times I had with our two daughters was when I was teaching them how to fish, teaching them how to plant a garden, listening to their squeals of excitement when I would take them to an amusement park, enjoying them. I love this passage by one of my favorite writers. It's from a work titled Ministry of Healing, pages 391 and 392. Fathers, give some of your leisure hours to your children. Become acquainted with them. Associate with them in their work and in their sports and win their confidence. Cultivate friendship with them. In this way, you will be a strong influence for good. Any other father besides me want to be a strong influence for good? We all do, don't we? What wise counsel is given to us here. Men, when our children look back on their relationships with us. When our children look back on us as their fathers, when everything is said and done, what will you and I be remembered for? Another way to ensure the survival of fatherhood is to realize the need to periodically allow attitude adjustments to take place concerning our children. I wonder if perhaps this is part of what God's sweet spirit intended to convey when the wise man penned these words in Proverbs 22 in verse 6, train up a child in the way he should go. Now follow me very closely. Every child is different. 
And a father's attitude must take into account the individuality of each child. Same father, same mother, but they are different. And a father must understand that attitudes affect actions. And these actions that are affected by our attitudes will influence a child. Several years ago, I wrote a book on the Beatitudes, and when I finished the manuscript and ready to send it to the publisher, I still did not have a title for the book. And so I spent a lot of time praying, asking God to give me a title for that book. One day I had dealt a little harshly with our oldest daughter. She had done something that I didn't approve of. And she and I had had more than a conversation on it. It had escalated to something that it should not have been. And as I was coming down to the close of that, little Salome, who was about seven or eight years of age, looked up at me, and this is what she said as she smiled. Daddy, I think you need an attitude adjustment. That was the title for the book. My brothers and sisters, as children grow, as children mature and change takes place, you and I as fathers must be willing to deal with them where they are. When they're youngsters, we deal with them as youngsters. We don't deal with them as teenagers. When they're teenagers, we don't deal with them as if they are youngsters. We deal with them where they are, and that takes an attitude adjustment many times. And then finally, Another way to ensure the survival of fatherhood is to communicate love, to affirm our children. One of the things that I have discovered and continue to discover is that the relationship between fathers and children doesn't have to be one of stressful communication. And an insurance policy to affirming loving communication It's preserved for our benefit in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 21. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Listen to me, dads. Fathers need to do everything possible through the guidance of Scripture and God's Holy Spirit to encourage children. Everywhere children turn, there is the face of discouragement. They don't need to see that in your relationship with them and in my relationship with them. You see, the words we say are very important, and the words we don't say are equally as important. I believe with all of my mind and all of my heart that more children 
or to hear words from a father like these, I love you. I'm proud of you. When Rebecca and I found out that we were expecting our first child, back then they didn't have the mechanism to determine what the child was going to be, and so I was pulling for a boy. I could just envision myself throwing a baseball with him and teaching in Greek. And when the nurse came out and announced that I had a daughter, I must confess to you that I was a little disappointed. But the moment I looked down into her eyes, I fell in love with her at that moment. The nurse placed her in my arms. I lifted her up. I placed my mouth at her ear. And this is what I said. Salome, your daddy loves you. And so does Jesus. Those were the very first words she ever heard from my mouth. When we found out that we were expecting our second child, there was no thought of a boy, no offense to boys. But I was pulling for another girl all the way. And God graciously gave me another daughter. And her complexion was different. Her eyes were different. But when the nurse placed her in my arms and I looked into her face, I fell in love with her immediately. And I lifted her up and I leaned over and I whispered into her ear, Shalimar, Daddy loves you and so does Jesus. Those were the first words my girls ever heard from my lips. There's not a text message I send to my daughters that I don't end with, I love you. There's not a time I talk to them on the telephone that I don't end with, I love you. There's not a time we leave from one another that I don't hug them and say, I love you. You see, it's very important what we say and what we don't say. It's also important not only what we say and what we don't say, but it's also important the words we listen to because too often there's not enough two-way communication between fathers and, and children. Dads, we need to listen to what they have to say. As I prayed about and prepared for the sermon, and I hope I don't get too emotional here, I found myself wishing several times that someone had shared with me these four suggestions when I was new on the journey of fatherhood. Because I know if I had been introduced to them, if I had accepted them, 
if I had applied them, I would not have made some of the mistakes I did with our two daughters. Two daughters that are special to me. I would lay down my life for them at this very moment. As I conclude the sermon, my prayer is that these four simple suggestions will aid we fathers in this assembly and the fathers who might hear this message later to be all that Heavenly Father wants us to be for the salvation and the success of our children. Yes, the survival of fatherhood is a real issue, but there is hope. Father God, I thank you again for the privilege of being a father. And I thank you for every man in this congregation. And I ask that as we offer ourselves afresh and anew to you today, that you will assist us, that you will enable us to be transmitters of your attitude toward us. Dr. Dan Gerard is the pastor of University Parkway Seventh-day Adventist Church in Pensacola, Florida. Our weekly podcasts are recorded every Saturday morning. Bible study begins at 9.30. The sermon begins at 11. You are invited to join us. We live stream the 11 o'clock service. You can catch that broadcast at our website, universitypkwy.org or at Livestream. A library of previous messages is available on our YouTube channel and on our website. Thank you for listening.